important. Now, along the way, we're going to do something interesting. Can I have our beautiful interns up here? Both of them. I would like you guys to give one of these to every kid. We have a little handout. We're going to ask you questions along the way. And if you bring this completely filled out next week, kids, with your memory verse memorized, we will have a significant prize box for you to pick from a prize. Now, this is sixth grade and below, six, going into sixth grade and below. So all of these answers filled out. I'll give you an example. Naaman was a pepper or a leper? Okay, don't cheat. Don't tell me the answer. I'm just giving you an idea of what the questions are, okay? So we're going to have you guys interact with that. Ladies, I'm going to enlist your help here to make sure all the kids have pencils so that they... Come on up. You got to stand up, actually. There you go. Grab handfuls. Go pass those out. Kids, we're going to ask you to follow along with the story as we go through and explain the Bible, as we bring the Bible to life. We actually have a guest from the Bible that will be here uh, in a few minutes, but you guys can follow along. As we go through the story, all of these answers will become very, very clear, okay? I've seen some of you adults taking this. You do not get a prize, but you're welcome to one, okay? We have a tambourine up here. I'm just giving you a little idea of what's coming later in worship. So let me give you the backstory of what we're talking about this morning. God's people in the book of 2 Kings have not obeyed God's laws. They have ignored the prophet's warnings that the people of God need to turn their hearts back to him. And if they don't, they are going to get in trouble. Syria is a nation of people who did not worship God. This is going to be coming uh, to life as we go along, kids, all right? So Syria is this place, and the people did not worship the one true God. They worshiped a bunch of idols. Now, these idols could be made of gold, silver, wood, soap, and a bunch of other things. They would bow down and worship these things instead of the one true God. That's what's going on in Syria. And they are enemies at this time of the northern kingdom of Israel. Okay? These two did not get along whatsoever. And God eventually uses Syria as an instrument to punish Israel and allow them to fight against each other. You're going to see this as we go along. And in some of the wars the Syrian soldiers would go into the land and they would capture young boys and young girls and bring them back to Syria to be their servants. Okay, pretty scary thing that they wouldn't just come in and kill and destroy the adults, but they would kidnap, if you would, a lot of the young kids and bring them back so that, that you could go get them water and you could shine their shoes and you could fill the haystacks and do all the work in the land. They were called servants and maidservants. And so here's the story that we're going to walk through. Many years ago, in the country of Aram, there lived a man named Naaman. Now, Naaman was a great soldier and was in charge of the army. In fact, the Bible says he was a general, someone with all kinds of medals and stripes on his shirts. He was a general in the army. 
And everything was going really, really well for this guy. He was in charge. He had all kinds of servants. He had all kinds of gold. He had all kinds of spears. And everything was going great, except that Naaman had leprosy. And leprosy was a skin disease that left all these little that started white spots and became red spots on the body. Now, leprosy is unbelievably contagious. Eventually, the disease causes a person to lose feeling in their body. And, and the problem with that is if you ever get injured, you don't know you're injured because you don't have feeling in that part of your body. And so it can actually get worse. And if a person had leprosy, they literally had to move away from their family. They could not stay with their family. So imagine you kids, you get leprosy. The doctor says, I'm sorry, you have leprosy. You had to leave your family forever. You had to leave your friends. You had to leave your school. You had to leave your electronics. You had to leave everything and get away from your family because it was so contagious. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I need to visually see how leprosy or something works. I can hear it, I can read it, but I kind of need to see it. So Jack the intern is actually our guest this morning. Let's give it up for Jack. And so he's incredible. Jack is going to take the position of Naaman. And Naaman was a great general who had all kinds of... Of, of servants, I just go with it. And, uh, and so, biblically speaking, he had a red cape with giraffe spots. I don't know, just go with it. And so, Jack is naming for us. Now, kids, we're, we're, we need a little bit of help here because, uh, Naaman, move your arms out here. We don't see any spots on him. We just see him with a cape, and we just see him looking normal. And so, kids, I'm going to ask you to come up here real quick. We have some circle stickers. Whoa, that was quick. All right. They respect you, I'm sure. All right, so I'm going to give all of you a sheet, and if you guys can just start putting some stickers all over Jack on his face and nose and eyes and ears and legs and arms. Let's stop there, nowhere else. And so just keep, you don't have to slam them on him. They stick really easy, actually. Yep. So these are, here you go, buddy. And any other students, would you guys please come help and fill Jack with leprosy? Please, please come up here. Yep. We want to make sure that he is completely filled with spots. Thank you very much for coming up, Pastor P. Okay. Would you please come up here and put some spots on him? Thank you. Would you please come up? Grant, would you? You're an elder. Obey. Okay. Would you please come up and put some spots on him? Thank you. Uh, Michael, wake up. Can you please put some spots on him? Michael Darnell's been up all night. He's a nurse. He had night shift. Will, get up here. Put some spots on him. Thank you. All right. So... Naaman has leprosy. And what happens is these spots start and they just keep going. It doesn't ever end. The spots keep going and going and going and they get worse and worse and worse. And instead of people flocking to the person, they run from him. This is great. Yeah, Eliana loves church. All right. All right, so that's enough. All right, all of you go back to your seat. Thank you very much. Careful with the electronic equipment. 
Okay, that's enough. Leprosy is done. Go, go sit. Yes. All right. All right, so parents, if parents or kids, if your parent can't settle down with their stickers, kids, take them from them. If parents, your kid can't settle down, take them from them. Okay, so here is Jack. He is our character in our Bible, Naaman. He has leprosy. No. Okay. Do you hear what he just said? He's like, hey, can I take them off my lips? Now, listen, this is actually a very good statement that Jack just made because the person with leprosy knew there was no way these spots were going away. In fact, they were going to get worse and worse and worse. And eventually, this person was going to die. There was nothing that could be done. There was no pill. There was no doctor. There was no medicine. There wasn't any aloe. Stop touching them. Just sit there, all right? So this is Naaman. Now, Naaman's wife, Naaman's wife had a servant girl who was from Israel. This little servant girl knew God. She believed in God. She loved God with all of her heart. She had been taught about God and she believed in him. And she knew of a prophet and his name was Elisha. Good. His name was Elisha. And she knew that he could heal Naaman. She just heard whispers about this. But since she was a servant girl, her job was to keep quiet, to not talk, to only speak when spoken to, to not do anything. She was a servant. She was the lowest of the low. But she knew that there was a way to help her master's husband through Elisha. So she told Naaman's wife about Elisha. And Naaman's wife then told him about this person named Elisha. Now, imagine you're this young girl from Israel. You are captured by soldiers. You're ripped from your family. You're brought to a foreign land. And you're told from now on you will be a servant. You will do what you're told, you will keep your mouth shut, and your future is mine, not yours. How would you feel? I want to know. Raise your hand. Adults and students, yeah. You would feel terrible? Yeah, absolutely. Someone else, how would you feel? Yeah. Just sit there. Yes, Elian. You would what? I, I would want to hurt them. You would want to hurt them. Yeah, absolutely. Who else? How would you feel? Adults. You're ripped from your home and made to be a servant. Yeah. What's that? Trapped. Trapped. Good. That's a good word. Yeah. Trapped. Good. Yeah. Tortured. Absolutely. Yeah. Sad. Absolutely. Yeah. Depressed. Absolutely. Good one. Yeah. Worthless. This is everything that would be normal, right? No one said something where you're like, ooh, I don't know if I would feel that. Everybody said very, very common things. But you know what? This maidservant, this little girl, did not feel any of those. We don't read about them. We don't see her with a bad attitude. We don't see her angry. We don't see her resentful. We don't see her trying to escape. We don't see her bad-mouthing her captives. We see a young girl who knew there was a God in heaven 
who could heal sicknesses. She knew that there was a true prophet that was living in Samaria who could help Naaman. And this young girl shows up when she should keep her mouth shut and she speaks. And in the Bible, we only literally see one sentence from her as she tells the wife of Naaman that there is someone in Samaria that could actually help him. She couldn't change the facts about him, but she could direct him to the one who could. Now, Naaman was super excited that he might be able to get healed. Show some excitement. Yes. All right, so Naaman was super, super excited that he might be able to be healed. He was excited. He, he heard the truth. We don't know if he believed it necessarily. We don't read that in Scripture, but there was hope given to him. Remember, what could heal leprosy back in that day? Nothing. Nothing. So there was a glimmer of hope, and he was excited. You want me to do it again? Yeah. Yes. All right. So he's excited, and he quickly got permission from his boss to go to Israel. His boss writes this letter to the king of Israel asking for Naaman to be healed. But here's important, kids. We have to remember what was the relationship between Aram and Israel? Were they friends or enemies? enemies. They didn't like each other. They didn't respect each other. They didn't even look at each other. They could not stand each other. Both were a threat to one another. And so when the king of Israel read this letter, he was afraid. He thought that Naaman's country wanted to fight with his country. And so in anger, he tore his robe. You don't do that. It, the, the king tore his robe. Back then, if you were in, in anguish or fear or sadness, you would tear your clothes because there, you couldn't yell loud enough. You couldn't scream loud enough. So you would just rip your clothes. And so the king thinks that there's a war being waged. And so he tears his clothes. I want to know from you kids and adult, what causes you fear? What makes you scared? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you didn't hear that, she said when a, when a huge wolf spider gets on her face and begins to eat her face. That is unbelievably appropriate for fear. How many of you would just die right there? Like, you, not, not scared, not sad, not petrified, you, just, you would just fall over. Yeah, so, some of you are doing that right now thinking of it, okay? Do me a favor, deep breaths. In through the nose, out through the mouth, you're going to be fine. Okay, what else makes you scared? Eliana. Wasps and hornets. Wasps and hornets, me too. Yeah. Lightning. Ooh, lightning's a good one. Yeah. Tornadoes. Good one. Yeah. What's that? Ooh, dealing with something that cannot be controlled. That is a good one. Yeah. Who? Snake clowns. Snake clowns? I don't like clowns, so I'm with you. I don't know what a snake does, but yeah, Karen. The dark. Ooh, yes. Ooh, 2 a.m. phone call from a family member. Yeah. Hey, can you get a hold of your son? He said something with like 50 letters in it. Yes. Your health. 
Good one, especially for you, absolutely. There are things that cause us fear. There are things that make us sad. There are things that, abso oh, that absolutely defeat us. And that's no different than our story here. He's afraid. Well, after a while, Elisha hears about what's going on and he steps in. He has a conversation with the king. And he told Naaman that if he wanted to be healed, he would have to go to the Jordan River and wash himself in the river seven times. And after he washed himself in the river, he would be healed. Now, if you read the scriptures, you will see that Naaman, who had previously been excited, got angry. He really got angry. man. All right. So as you can tell, like super angry. All right. Like whew, off the chart. So he's super angry. And why did he get angry? Naaman got angry because when he was told that he could be healed, he thought that there were going to be lights and flashes and fireworks and explosions. If there was a miracle, it was going to be unbelievable to everyone who saw. And here is a man who says, go down and wash yourself in a river seven times and then you're going to be healed. It was a little anticlimactic. There wasn't any wow to it. And it goes even further. Naaman goes on to say, hey, if that's all it took, I could have washed myself in the rivers back at home. Because somebody tell me what the Jordan River was and is like. Yeah. Dirty. It is dirty. Like the most disgusting river you can think of. Scum on the top. You cannot see the bottom. Gross smells. It is disgusting. And here, Elisha says, if you want to be clean by the God of all creation, I know it's not going to make sense. I know it goes absolutely beyond common sense. But you need to go wash in the river. That river. And not once, not twice, but seven times. And if you do that, if you obey the Lord, he is going to heal you. And quite frankly, it took a little bit of time for Naaman to wrap his mind around this. How many of you would have a hard time with that? You're already second-guessing if you can be healed. And now you're told a very out-of-the-box way that God is going to move. Sometimes when we go on the mission field, when we go uh, to other countries or other cities and we do work on behalf of God to people, sometimes he gives us a directive that quite frankly doesn't make sense. He tells us to go and to say something that just doesn't make sense. He tells us to do something that on the surface doesn't look like it would make any kind of difference. And one of the things that we learned through this passage is that God doesn't work in conventional ways all the time. Often he works outside the box. He'll encourage you to do something that is beyond your wildest imagination. Well, eventually Naaman is deciding, he again is super angry. Rats. Yep, he is ridiculously angry. But his servants come to him and they beg him to believe Elisha and to stop being stubborn and to go down into the water. How many of you guys have ever been stubborn? 
Look, now look to, the, no, look to your loving one, and, and if their hand isn't raised, tell them if you agree with them or not. You have never been stubborn. Raise your hand. Never been stubborn. Grant, Grant got it down real fast. Finally, Naaman gives in, and he washes himself in the river seven times. Now, we don't have a river. I got to move the tambourine. We don't have a river, but we begin to stop. I'm trying to get them off. I'm going to have to pull them off. No, you're not. So Naaman washes himself in the river seven times. I feel like this is more than seven. Okay, that's one washing. Okay, so he goes to two. I'm just kidding. So he goes to two and he just begins to wash. And you know what's crazy is the Bible says that he begins to be healed. And all of a sudden, those spots that no one could heal and that he had no hope, no belief in, and not, not only Naaman, but all of his friends and family members had essentially disowned him. They had forgot about him because they said there's no way he can be healed. There's nothing there. He begins to wash. And after the first wash, maybe nothing quite happens. And maybe after the second wash, a few dots or a few uh, oozing sores begin to go away. And after the third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh wash, all of a sudden, Naaman begins to realize God is healing him. And that which was a myth, that thing that was a maybe, that which was, I don't know about this, Naaman begins to be healed by God. And the Bible says that he began to praise God, to worship him. Sure, if you'd like to do that, go ahead, praise God. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Naaman is a little bit of a gomer pile. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So Naaman thanked Elisha, and he knew that God was the only true God. And he then declares, I will not worship any other gods. I will only worship the one and only true God. Now, that's a big deal. Why is that a big deal? Because Naaman is about to go back to his land. Don't go. Naaman is about to go back to his land, and he is about to work underneath a king that has declared the worship of all false gods. Here's where it ties in. Naaman has an encounter with the living God of all creation, but has to go back into the world and somehow live out what he knows is true. How many of you think that's an easy thing for Naaman to do? How many think that's going to be hard? There's going to be some difficulties. Absolutely. Absolutely, there's going to be difficulties for Naaman to go back into the world that he's living in because there's so many other wrong things that are being taught. And when he gets back home, his life has changed in more ways than one. Not only, and I can't get all these off, pretend they're all gone, not only is he cleaned, but his heart has been saved. All right, let's give it up for Jack. Just wear it, wear it proud. Now, 
This is an unbelievable story, you guys. Kids, listen. This is an incredible story. Why? Because there's one kid who doesn't have a name that we read about in the Bible. She has no name. She has no notoriety. That means she's not famous. No one knows who she is. The Bible doesn't go on to say because of her, her name became famous in all the land. She's virtually forgotten. She's a servant. Throughout our series, in each one of our kids, what we're going to do is we're going to take four kids in the Bible that are virtually nameless. We don't know who they are, but they do great things for the kingdom of God. And what I want to say to you kids, Max, have a seat. What I want to say to you kids is you might not ever be famous. The world might not know who you are. You might think of yourself as not important or not exciting. And what I want to say to you kids and really to all of you adults and students as well is people don't need to know your name for you to be used by God in great ways. You also don't need to be a certain age to be used by God in great ways. If you're a follower of Christ and maybe you find yourself in a difficult situation like this girl did being kidnapped and brought into a household to be a servant, you can still be used. It is not just the life that's perfect that God chooses to use. It's not just the one where everyone's healthy. It's not the one where all of life is working out splendidly that God goes, ooh, that family, that family's squared away. I'm going to use them. Sometimes, sometimes often, the Lord will use those who are going through a very difficult time for his kingdom purposes. Maybe it's a death in the family. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's a job loss. Maybe it's marital problems or kid issues. Maybe it's difficult decisions that you're trying to make. Sometimes when we're in those places, and if we're honest, we find ourselves in those positions more often than we would like. Often, God has something waiting for us if we'll allow ourselves to be used. Naaman was clean on the outside, but he was also clean on the inside. What do I mean by that, kids? Did his leprosy go away? Yes or no? Yeah, he was healed, right? But what else happened in his heart? Did he go away not believing in God or believing in God? He believed in God, right? So God healed both things. He believed he healed the outside, but he also healed the inside, which is unbelievably important. And he knew that he was going back to Syria and he would have to kneel before that king who worshiped false gods. And he asked the Lord to forgive him when he went there. And Elisha told Naaman to go home in peace. Now let me talk to some of you adults. We spend most of our life, whether we're intentionally doing it or unintentionally doing it, we just want peace. We just want life to settle down, to not have stress, to not have conflict, to not have tough times. We, some of you are in this room or, or maybe you're listening online and you're thinking, God, I just want a break. Can, can, can we just 
get a break. And I want you to know that oftentimes the circumstances don't necessarily change. But the God of peace goes with you. The God of peace, the, the, the God of Elisha, who healed Naaman completely, goes with you. And in those circumstances, somehow there is peace. Does it happen overnight? I could bring dozens of you up here to, to confess and to witness. It doesn't happen overnight. It's this ongoing relationship of growing into a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Reading the Bible, praying, trusting in Him, obeying your parents. All of those things work to have this relationship with God. Naaman had leprosy. He could not heal himself. And so it is with you and I. We can't be good enough. Kids, especially you little kids, you can't be good enough under God's eyes. There isn't anything you can do where God says, oh my goodness, that person, they've got it together, so now all my love on them. You can't do enough. And God is the only one who can clean our hearts. He is the only one that can clean our outside. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says this, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Kids, you have a tremendous gift, and that is God loves you. He loves you more than your wildest imaginations. And this is the God, if you look out over all the mountains, kids, if you look at all the flowers, if you look at the clouds at night, if you look up in the sky and see all the stars, he made all of that, and he loves you. And he sent his son Jesus to die for you. Jesus initially was relatively nameless, much like this girl. But because of one girl, a man's life was changed. He was healed. And then he went on to tell others about that. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I want to give you another memory verse. If you're like an excelled student and you want to memorize this one as well, you can jot this passage down. It's from Acts chapter 4, verse 12. And this is what it says. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven by which, by, I'm sorry, by which we must be saved. No one else. No false god. No statue. No person. No thing. No fun. No excitement. But by God. And that's church. And so as the team comes up to continue to lead us in worship, I want to encourage all of us in this room, kids, students, adults, grandparents, everybody that's here and listening online. You can make a difference. You can be used by God. You can make a difference in someone's life. If you notice in our Bible passage this morning, it doesn't say that the maidservant whatever her name is, 
It doesn't say that she sat down and fully explained to Naaman's wife the gospel and told her all about the Trinity and explained what heaven and hell is and sin and, and that the Messiah was coming. She didn't explain anything. All she said was, there is someone who walks with God and I know he can help you. And that one statement changed the trajectory of one man's life. And what I want to say to you is, as you go about your week this week, kids, one statement from you to an adult or your friends can make all the difference in the world. Adults, you might have a friend, you might have maybe someone on social media, or you might have someone that you interact with on a regular basis, and sometimes we think we have to explain all of faith when maybe God just wants us to say one thing. Don't overcomplicate it. Ask God what it you should say. Be bold enough to send that text, to send that email, to, to ask someone to go to coffee. Maybe it won't be received well. I'll own that. Maybe it won't be. Maybe it'll be absolutely rejected. Maybe some of your friends will go, I don't want anything to do with that God stuff. Just leave me alone. Great. But maybe, just maybe, a single statement or a single act from you who might become relatively nameless moving forward, maybe you could make a difference. There's some great kids in the Bible. There's some great kids in this room. And God wants to do great things through every single one of you because here's the reality. You might not be a kid by age, but you're a kid to the Father. And you always will be. His little girl or his little boy. That maybe he wants to do the unthinkable through you. So kids, I want to encourage you again, just real quickly as we go into worship. These, can you hand me one of those pages? These, these pages right here, bring these home. You can do it with your parents. Parents, I would encourage you to sit down and talk with your kids about this, about the story and, and what it means. Bring this filled out with the answers and at least give it your best shot on the memory verse. And, and bring this to us next week. We'll have a prize box and you can pick something from the prize box as you hand this in. We don't want to just have fun and laughter and, and pre-service exercises, which we need to work on next week. Uh, we also have to work on the clapping rhythm um, as well, but we'll, we'll deal with that. Um, but if you want to bring this, you can go into the prize box um, and continue to learn what it is to be a follower of Jesus. So would you stand? Let's pray, and then we'll continue to worship. God, who would have thought that uh, this general in the army uh, with a name of Naaman would be such a powerful story for us? Who would have thought that a young girl ripped from the arms of her family in the stages of war and brought to a foreign land and forced to be a maidservant, that you would use all of that for your glory, that you would use all of those situations the bad and the sad to set up for you to heal and to do the miraculous. Who would have thought it other than you? Who would have thought that a simple statement from a young girl who is relatively nameless would have such an impact on not just Naaman, but for thousands and millions of people who read the Bible? Who would have thought it but you? 
Who would have thought that a young boy with some fish and bread who is nameless would have such an impact on our world but you? Who would have thought it to create creation, boys and girls and men and women, and that you would send your son, God-man Jesus, to die on the cross for sin so that life could be made right? Who would have thought it but you? And we just say thank you. As we go into worship, God, would you draw these kids to a deeper place of your chest? Would you help them to be aware of your strong arms around them? That this, what we do here, is not a club, it's not an activity, it's just not something we do on the weekends, but this is life. Would you reveal that to their hearts? Holy Spirit, would you make your way around this room, through every aisle, throughout every chair, from ceiling to floor and from wall to wall, Holy Spirit, come and speak to every single heart. Where there is encouragement that is desperately needed, would you bring encouragement? Where there is hope that is being sought after day in and day out, where there's desperation, would you bring hope? Would you bring healing? Would you bring love? But would you also bring correction? Bring us back to you. We love you. We praise you, and we give you this time that we're about to walk into the Holy of Holies and sing to you and about you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.